I think the biggest myth that I'm seeing right now, Devin, is that the latter generations, Gen Y, Gen Z, are just lazy. They don't want to work. They don't want to work hard. I hear it all the time. Uh, it's in the media. We have quiet quitting. I mean, I hear it all the time. And to be fair, that's it's it's often true, but it's often not true. And here's where I think that myth is wrong. I think we as the Gen X and Boomer leadership simply don't know how to lead this generation well. We're trying to lead them as though they are us. And they have a different framework. They want more connection. They want better work-life balance. They want more free time. They're they're not the grinders that my generation, the generation that came before us is. And I think some of that is good. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Expert. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups in the seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, HR uh, Huntsman. And uh, HR, we're going to talk about a few things, including the uh, intersection between uh, culture and strategy, and also uh, how to uh, or get uh, high-performing uh, teams that uh, that are built around culture and, uh, and business strategy, and then also uh, looking at uh, doing some uh, creative or approaching uh, conflict re resolution with creativity and to, to solve those issues. So look forward to a great introduction. And with that much as, uh, as an introduction, welcome on uh, onto the podcast, HR. Hi, Devin. Thanks for having me back. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Excited to have you back on. And uh, for those of you that haven't caught, uh, HR was on our uh, sister podcast, The Inventive uh, Journey. Um, so if you haven't uh, had a chance to, to catch that episode yet, definitely encourage you to, to go uh, check out uh, HR's uh, full journey. Uh, now, for those uh, in the audience that haven't had a chance to uh, go uh, fully check out your journey yet, uh, maybe just take a minute or two to, to introduce yourself. Sure, I'd be happy to. So, Started my first business when I was 28, grew it from scratch, from zero to very large over the course of that 25 years. When I retired a few years ago, we had 200 staff in five countries around the world working on all kinds of projects in third world countries here in the States, after school programs, all kinds of humanitarian relief things. And what I learned from that, Devin, is I have a passion and a, a bit of a skill for developing teams and culture. And so after I retired, I couldn't stay retired. And so I started Leader's Edge. And Leader's Edge is dedicated to uh, improving leaders' culture. We really focus on organizational strategy and organizational health. So every day of my life now, I work with young leaders, helping them build and scale their companies. Awesome. Well, uh, definitely a, a great introduction and uh, a great uh, journey that you've been on. So so now with that, now as we uh, dive into a, a few of the topics at hand, I mean, I think on the, the one hand, uh, you know, you hear um, a good uh, a good amount about uh, culture within a, a business and within uh, different industries. Um, and yet, it's, you know, it's also one of those probably a bit nebulous terms that everybody hears and yet they're not quite uh, sure what it means or, you know, what they should be considering. So maybe before we dive into a little bit of how you might uh, set up culture and, and how that impacts a business. Help us understand a little bit, what does culture actually mean and, and what should people be uh, considering when they hear that? 
Devin, that is a fantastic question. You're absolutely right. It is a bit nebulous and vague. And I actually get uh, people in the Gen X and boomer uh, culture, they, they're actually reacting negatively to when we talk about culture and, and they see it as placating everyone on the team until they're happy, you know, making sure everyone's happy because they're all a bunch of whiners. And uh, that's absolutely not what culture is. Culture is how you get a high performing team and how people feel about giving their very best to your brand. That's how we define it. How people feel about giving their very best to your brand is your culture. If people are checked out, disengaged, they don't care. They're underperforming. Well, that's a disengaged culture. If you have high performance, high engagement, high productivity, high profitability, well, that's your culture. So how people feel about giving their very best to your brand is how we define culture. So now, and I, and I, there is probably that, you know, for right or wrong, there's that pre, or preconception that what it is, is that you have to give everybody, you know, beanbag chairs, you have to give everybody a work from home, you have to, and I'm, maybe some of it is, but you know, you have to give everybody free lunches, you have to give everybody a 20 hour work week, and you know, you have to give them all sorts of benefits. And it sounds like, you know, why that may be some cultures that that may be optimal for that business, that's not necessarily what it is for across all businesses, across all companies. And it, it should be a bit more tailored and specific to each company in order to, to maximize engagement, in order to maximize efficiency and for uh, productivity. Is that, is that a fair summary? Yeah, it's a fair summary. That, that, that placating idea is not only false, it's detrimental. That's not what I experience. People aren't saying, give me everything that I want. I mean, there are, there are those people, of course, but that's that's not what culture is, and, and you're right. That is the pushback. Like I do, what I have to have the beanbag chairs in the in the break room, and everything you described. Absolutely not. The way we define and teach high performing cultures is very different than that. So now, so now, kind of diving into it a bit. So you know, it, it is probably you know, as the old uh, attorney, it, it depends is the standard answer. <laughs> But if you were to go to, you know, some of the different uh, businesses or verticals or as you were to go and approach maybe a new startup or a small business that's trying to just define their culture and figure out what that even means, they're just trying to figure out what the business is. How do you go about kind of figuring out what that culture is or how, you know, how you might uh, start to integrate that in with the rest of the business? Yeah, great question. In fact, most startups, most founders don't really think about designing culture i like that you use that phrase culture just kind of happens to them and they have they're victims of whatever the culture is and they don't think about intentionally designing it and we teach them to do just that so while i guess it can depend there are some key principles and fundamentals and foundational things to help create a great culture so it's not just one size fits all or it's not just happenstance there are certain things every one of your listeners can do that is building a company they can do to intentionally increase the performance mindset of their culture. For sure. That's true. So now maybe walk us through what are a few of those things that uh, people might consider, you know, how would you start to tackle this? And I'm sure my guess is, and you can correct me wrong, culture is probably going to be evolving as a business grows, as it changes, as it gets bigger, as it gets smaller, as it you know, it, or just in the marketplace, but how do you go about starting to, what are some of those ways that you started going about defining culture? For sure. Culture begins in your foundational statements. These are what we teach is your vision, mission, and value statements. When we sit down with 
founders, entrepreneurs, business owners, even if they've been in business for a while and they haven't built their foundations, we go back and help them do that. This is your mission statement, your vision statement, and your core values. And I know what some of your listeners are probably thinking right now. Oh, no, not another vision statement preacher. L listen, if, if you don't have those identifying foundational understandings, you're not going to be able to build a great culture. This is who we are. This is who we hire. This is what we're about. We're going to hire people who believe what we believe. And that's really where the foundation of your culture begins. If you only hire people for a particular task or a skill, you're making a big mistake. So it begins, it begins with the foundation of who we are, what we believe, and we're going to surround ourselves with the kind of people who believe what we believe, and we'll go from there. So that's where it begins. Now it begins, and so, you, okay, and it is, you know, there is always, and I'm sure that there's that kind of that, uh, you know, voting in the, the background, so to speak, of you know, another <laughs> mission statement, yeah. one thing that we'll sit down, we'll hammer it out, we'll stick it on the wall and never look at it again which is oftentimes what a business does, right? And so Facts. how do you actually go about, so you define kind of what the business is or kind of what that, you know, what you envision. I think it's helpful, especially as a, a startup and small business, because, you know, you'll get pushed and pulled by the marketplace as the business evolves and that. And if you, sometimes you'll get uh, owners of businesses and startups and small businesses that the business will evolve to a point where they are enjoying or it's not what they envisioned or not what they want to do anymore, just because they didn't have that, in place or have that direction, but how do you go or after you define what your vision is, or, you know, that kind of that mission is of the business or what that culture is, how do you go about actually not just sticking it on the wall and forgetting about it, but building a culture around it? Gosh, Devin, you are so right. And we, we teach the exact opposite of just putting it up on a sign in your break room or in front of, you know, in your lobby, we call it making it operational. So all these things are operational. And so they're operational in your recruiting, interviewing, and hiring practices. So we take the vision, mission, and value statements. We make them live in, in how you select people, how you onboard, how you train. Uh, again, all of the interviewing processes are built around core values, our brand values, what we want for our team. So we do make them very operational. They're in every single thing that we do. They they end up being in our marketing strategy, our marketing funnel, all of our messaging that goes out in sales approach. I mean, everything we do, it begins with those foundational statements and they come alive in every other part of uh, the development and the scaling of the business. Mm. So maybe walk us through, kind of give us an example of, of kind of what that might look like or kind of what uh, what people might uh, see is, is there to walk through that process. Okay, let's take uh, let's take core values. Uh, core values can just be an arbitrary set of things that we believe or think we believe in, you know, integrity and honesty. Those are two of the ones most picked on and we teach it very differently. We teach core values are the who you're going to hire. I want you to define for me, Mr. Entrepreneur, the kind of people that you want to hang out with. What are, what are they like? Or who on your team embodies the kind of culture you want to have? And we're going to copy and paste some of those traits. And those become our core brand values. And then we hire around those. We ask good interviewing questions. We onboard around those. Those, those become what I call as a filter of how we build our team. It's not an arbitrary, you know, who has a pulse or who can who can make the widget. It is who is living out what we believe makes our team great 
And then we hire around those very same things. We train around those things. We fire around those things. We bonus and promote around those ideals. So they become a, they're not just a document on our wall. They become a living way of how we build our team. And that's the foundation of culture. Now, many other things are going to happen after that, but that's how you begin to build that team. So now, you know, and I, and I think that or makes sense to me in concept. Now, I'll maybe ask a, a follow-up question to that, which is, so now if I were to take that as an idea, you know, if I were to describe the person, I would, if I was a boss, and you know, especially if I wasn't well or hadn't done a lot of hiring and it was a newer to doing, you know, to running a business, I'd probably say, what kind of employee do I want? I want somebody to work or shows up, isn't late, get things done on time works hard, doesn't complain a lot, doesn't need a lot of hand-holding, which is going to describe basically every every employee that everybody ever wants to hire, and yet doesn't really help to define that culture or really do that. So how would you help yeah. an individual that's not as accustomed to knowing what they want because they haven't gone through it as much? How would you kind of help them along that? Yeah, we get a lot more details than that. Uh, so we... We have what we call seat descriptions and avatars. So an avatar is the ideal person for that particular seat. And so the person you're looking for, for your backroom accounting is not the same type of person you're looking for, for sales or marketing. Those are two different personalities. So some of those uh, ideals that you said may apply across, you know, your entire team, but some of them won't. And so to get really specific about, the person that's going to fit in that seat. So a real clear idea of the requirements of that seat, the kind of person we want in that seat, creating an avatar for that ideal team player is really important to us. So we get a lot more detailed than as you, you know, humorously described this hardworking, you know, person that just shows up, they're a great team player, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Some of those things are true, but just saying those traits isn't enough. It's learning how to interview for the key traits that you want. It's not just saying we want a team player or a hard worker or someone who's punctual. It's learning how to interview for that person and find the person who's actually living those traits out. That's what's key here, Devin. Hmm, no, I think that uh, that certainly makes sense. Now, so now talks a little bit about the uh, strategy. So let's say, you know, I, I start to define that culture. I start to hire those people. Now, you know, you could have cultures just, hey, we wanted this to be a fun place to, to work or we want it to be a, you know, a, the word that's always thrown around is family, which I think is better to describe you're a team than you are a family because Good. family, you're never going to get rid of. Team members come and go as the, as the opportunity arises, but you build that team around it. Now, how do you, where is that intersection between kind of business strategy and building culture? How do those two uh, kind of uh, coincide? Sure. You have to have both. We we do believe that culture precedes strategy. Uh, you know, the, the famous Drucker line, culture eats strategy for breakfast every day. We believe that to be true. However, both are incredibly important. And what we found is the research shows that less than 70% of companies spend more than an hour a month on strategy. So taking this team now that we're developing and we haven't even talked about the power of inquiry and curiosity and creative conflict and using those concepts of building this cohesive collaborative team. Now, now we can begin to focus on business strategy. And that begins with really good dialogue around where we're going, let's say for 2024. 
So we have our we have our basic business strategy laid out and we have good heated creative conflict discussions around our value proposition, our marketing messaging, our ideal client that we want to bring on board, uh, pricing structures. How are we going to uh, how are we going to face uh, inflation at 18 percent or more? How does that affect our business? What are the challenges? Who's moved in in the neighborhood? All those conversations have to happen uh, with this developing team. So value proposition and then your entire value chain is all uh, part of these heated dis discussions with this amazing culture that now we've hypothetically built. Hmm. So now you, so you build that out. Now walk us through a little bit because, I mean, it sounds like in a good way, not bad. It's an investment. In other words, you're, you should be talking about strategy on a weekly basis or, you know, and, and, uh, and ongoing, you should be probably checking your culture and making sure that you're hiring and the people you're keeping on board are fitting that culture. Now, what are some of the kind of, and you, you start to touch on it, but the rewards or the, the reasons why businesses should uh, probably put a greater amount of time and effort into it than they often do. What is the kind of that motivation? Yeah, you, you've hit on it really well. Most, most companies don't is the problem. They, uh, they begin making their widgets. They think they have a pretty good product and they just get so wrapped up doing the day-to-day -day business. They, they do not take any time to look at the horizon, to look at the opportunities, to look at the challenges, who's going to derail them, what's changing in technology or the economy. They don't take the time to do that. So the first key is to make space in your calendar to have these discussions around true business strategy. And we're not just talking about your annual plan. We're talking about true business strategy, you know, five, five steps of looking at who we're serving. What are the challenges they are facing? How do we meet those challenges? What separates us from our competitors? How do we deliver the product or service? Having those regular conversations is what the great companies do. And the average company does not have those conversations. So it begins with having the conversation. Now, if you're to, so let's say you're to take a, as a, you know, a, or pick whatever industry or whatever business you sure. want to take a, you know, a, at random to, or pick one of those, walk us through, if you're to say, okay, give us a little bit of a, you know, and I, I get it's consolidating a much longer amount of work into a few minutes, but walk sure. us through, if you're to sit down and say, hey, here's the top two or three things that you should start working on in order to either define your culture, to fix your culture, to improve it, or otherwise, uh, you know, make progress on it. What would those uh, few uh, initial takeaways be, or what would what would people think of that, that they should start getting to work on? Okay, if I may, I'll, I'll just tell a story then that may highlight this. Sure. So two weeks ago, I'm with one of our clients, is a large heating and cooling company here in Washington State, and we had helped them triple their revenue in the last three years, but this year they'd hit a plateau because of inflation and the labor market and blah blah blah. They were stuck. In fact, they had gone backwards in sales. And so they called us in and said, H, we, we need help. We, we can't figure this out. Sales have stagnated in the summer, which is their most productive time. They should be blowing the doors off stuff. So we got together in a restaurant. We had their entire team there of, of uh, 25 people of their sales and marketing team. And for four hours, we went through their entire uh, marketing funnel from top to bottom, right until operations began. So everything, 
their avatar, who they're looking at, clients, how they got them. And so what we learn to do is they have two major funnels coming in. They have referrals, and then they have cold calls from, from their website, SEO, social media, et cetera. And as we interrogated our way down that funnel, all kinds of people were, were chiming in. This is going on and we see this, we're having these conversations. And what we discovered is that about two thirds of the way down the funnel, they were having the same sales conversation with the referral potential clients as the cold call potential clients. And we discovered there's a flaw there. And the flaw is the referral clients come with um, advocacy built in from whomever referred them. The cold clients had no advocacy, so they didn't have trust. And that was the key discovery. The trust wasn't built in. So we went back to the top of the funnel and built in advocacy everywhere we possibly could throughout the funnel. So we had testimonials and videos and email follow-ups. And, and so that right there shows the culture of having these kinds of conversations and the intersection where it meets with strategy. So the strategy then was we put in, like I said, the more videos, the testimonials, and Devin, in two months, they've gone from an 11% conversion rate with those cold, that cold side of the funnel to a 60% conversion rate because they had the guts to sit down, take the time, have the heated conversation, discover what they, what was a blind spot, and then make the strategic changes so they could approach those clients differently. So there, right there is a good a picture of where culture and strategy meet for a huge win for them. And for them, that's a six to seven figure win by the end of the year. Hmm. So now let me, or, and I think that's a great example and a helpful walkthrough. Now let me, or maybe ask one uh, follow-up question, sure. which is, yeah. you know, one of the things I think that people sometimes struggle with when they're working on or maybe defining culture, or if they have, you know, if they haven't done a good job, they're redefining culture, otherwise getting it in place and working on it. You know, sometimes people that don't fit with the culture of the, you know, that they want to have. And, you know, sometimes that's no fault of their own. It's, hey, we want to shift it. And, you know, then the question becomes is, hey, do we try and adjust the, or have, you know, and these are a lot of times you, where it comes up is, hey, if they're low performer, terrible employees, we're just going to let them go because they're not a good fit. But if they're high performing, good employees, but they don't fit the culture, should we try and, work with them to help them fit the culture that we're wanting or do you, you know, as great of employees as they might be, if they don't fit the culture, they, you know, it's, they should move on and you should move on because it's just simply more important to have that culture in place and have anyone given individual. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. I'll use that same illustration. So what we discovered in that process of, of where that good collaborative cohesive, high-performing culture met that strategy piece in that session, we discovered that the sales manager had a much lower proactive passion than what was necessary for the sales that needed to happen. Great guy, great guy, beloved by the team, funny, supportive of, of the vision, mission, and values, but his proactivity in really pushing the salespeople to meet their metrics was low. Mm. So here's, here's a good attention for us to consider. When we think of culture, we often think of how well does this person get along with the team? Well, his name's Joe. He gets along great with the team. 
but his his own drive was lower than what is necessary for that position. So we're looking for a new place for him on the team because he does fit the cohesive side of the culture well, but not the performance side of the culture well. So finding a way to either help him ramp up his proactivity in leading the sales team or reduce his role to simply that of a salesperson. And those are tough conversations, but they come out of those heated, cohesive, collaborative environments where we discover this isn't quite working. Great guy, love him to death, but he may not be the best person to drive that sales team. No, that makes sense. And that is always a hard one because you can like the guy, they can be, you know, good from a personality standpoint, they can be yeah. a good fit. And yet it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to fit what you're trying to build or that the business and the culture and the strategy that uh, goes along with that. So that's exactly right. Well, uh, we're already reaching towards the end of the podcast and feels like we were, or we just barely wow. got started with this got conversation. Started. So yeah. we'll have to, we'll have to have you back and uh, maybe on one of our sister podcasts and continue the, the conversation. Um, but at least for, uh, for this uh, episode, um, I always like to, to wrap up uh, each episode with the one question. So we're going to jump to that now, which is sure. within your industry, what is the biggest myth and why is it wrong? Oh, that's a great question. I think the biggest myth that I'm seeing right now, Devin, is that the latter generations, Gen Y, Gen Z, are just lazy. They don't want to work. They don't want to work hard. I hear it all the time. Uh, it's in the media. We have quiet quitting. I mean, I hear it all the time. And to be fair, that's it's it's often true, but it's often not true. And here's where I think that myth is wrong. I think we as the Gen X and Boomer leadership simply don't know how to lead this generation well. We're trying to lead them as though they are us. Mm -hmm. And they have a different framework. They want more connection. They want better work-life balance. They want more free time. They're they're not the grinders that my generation, the generation that came before us is. And I think some of that is good. I mean, I burned out at age 45 because I didn't have good boundaries and a good work-life balance. So I think it's a myth that they don't want to work and don't want to work hard. I think our leadership is often failing them because we're not leading them in a way that brings out their very best. And the leaders that are winning are the leaders that are asking them really good questions, listening to them and figuring out how to lead them well. The, the companies that are losing are not asking them really good questions. They're simply leading them like they led their own generations and they are getting left behind. Mm. No, I think that's uh, definitely a, a myth, a prevalent myth out there, but a, a great one to, to dispel. So uh, awesome. Well, uh, with that, now as we uh, wrap up the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Yeah, a couple easy ways. Look me up on LinkedIn, HR Huntsman. At leaders edge you can find me there or just email me hr at yourleadersedge.com and i'd be happy to chat with them awesome well i definitely encourage people to reach out support a great business and uh, if nothing else uh, make a new best friend so 
with that, thank you again, HR, for uh, coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of your listeners out there, if you can help us uh, share this expertise with even more startups and small businesses out there, um, just go ahead and uh, click share, subscribe, leave us a review. It really helps us to, to or helps helps us to help even more startups and small businesses along their journey to success. And on that note, if you ever need help uh, along your journey with patents or trademarks or anything else for your startup or your small business, just go to strategymeeting.com. Grab some time with us to chat and we're always here to help. Well, thank you again, HR, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Always a pleasure, Devin. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it, my friend.